0: Amen. All right. So turn in your Bibles to uh, to Matthew chapter 6. And uh, we're talking about from lack to abundance. We just started this series last week. And to remind you what the Lord is saying to us, we started with the verse from 2 Corinthians 9, 8, that simply says this, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having always having all sufficiency in all things... You would have an abundance for every good work. See, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that not only would you have sufficiency, sufficiency meaning your needs are met, but that God is able to take you from a place beyond sufficiency so that you have an abundance. What's abundance mean? It means more than enough, it means leftovers. Okay, it's when you cooked too much food or you, you made an extra profit and that money gets to go to savings. That money gets to go to give away to the poor or give away to the mission that God has called us to. And the Lord is talking to us as a church. And I, and I heard the Lord very specifically say, I want to move my people out of lack and into abundance. He wants to break debt off of our lives. He wants to break You know, that mentality that we have to borrow and live in consumer debt and things like that. He wants to break that off because as we showed last week, debt is lack. And lack is not the will of God, right? Lack is a byproduct of injustice, laziness, foolishness, sin, but it's never the will of God. It's not God's like, I just really want my people to live in lack. But rather, the Lord has always, always, always promised abundance, that He promises to meet our needs and to pour out abundance. And as it says in 2 Corinthians 9, 8, it's not abundance for selfishness. We're not talking about greed, the deceitfulness of wealth, the love of money. We're not talking about that. We're talking about what? That God wants to give us an abundance for every good work. He wants to pour out abundance on His church, breaking off lack, so that we as the church can do what He's called us to do. Amen? So this is what the Lord has been saying to us. Bottom line, the Lord is saying to you, I want to be your provider. I want to be the God who takes care of you and meets every one of your needs. And we saw last week that even in the New Testament, God promises financial abundance. Jesus Himself promised abundant blessing for every good work. It says it right there in 2 Corinthians 9, but we saw even in Jesus. If you didn't hear that message, go ahead and pick up the CD in the back. But in Matthew chapter 6, we see Jesus talking about making adjustments in our life. And he says, basically, in verse 25 of Matthew 6, Therefore, I say to you, do not worry. Right? Worry is one of the most uh, uh, obvious signs that we are trusting in this world system, or ourselves, or the wages, or our job, or our boss, or whatever, or the lack of the job, or the lack of the wages, or the lack of whatever. The worry is one of the number one signs that we are not trusting the Lord as our provider. And so Jesus hits it. Right? Right? Between the eyes, right? So it says, man, don't worry. And he goes on and he, as you guys probably remember, he talks about father takes care of birds, man. He feeds the birds. They don't even work, you know. They don't even have, they don't have a job. They don't even have storehouses. But the father provides them every day. And, and he goes on, he says, the father clothes uh, uh, flowers with glorious splendor. I mean, flowers are beautiful. And how much, more is, how much more value are you? And how much more is the father going to care for you? Right, and this, So this is what Jesus is talking about. And, and, and it brings it to the heart of the matter when Jesus says, uh, in verse 31, actually, well, let me back up just a second, verse 30 where He says what I just said, Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which, is, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will He not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? And, and again, remember last week I said, if, if you want to give good gifts to your children, how much more does Father God want to give good gifts to us, right? And we said, man, the the comparison, you can't even make the comparison. That's like saying the stars are higher than the roof. Well, I mean, you know, the roof is above my head and the stars are above my head. That's true, right? And so we've got earthly fathers and our Heavenly Father. But the comparison is like infinitely different, isn't it? That the stars are millions of light years above our heads, and the roof is like just a few feet above my head, right? And so same thing. Yeah, you, you, you don't want your children to be suffering. You're like, I really want my kids to just live in poverty. I'd like them to live on the streets. You know what I mean? Right? I just wish they could struggle and spend all their life trying to pay off their credit card bills. No, we don't desire that. How much more does God desire... Right, And if, if parents want to give good gifts, not blessing, foolishness, and rebellion, I mean, we're not talking about that, but giving good gifts, how much more our Heavenly Father? And that's what Jesus is trying to get at all the time. He's preaching the gospel, isn't he? Right? And, and what does Isaiah 61 say? That Jesus preached the gospel to the poor. Do you remember that? Jesus preached the gospel to the poor. And so here it is, right here in Matthew 6, Jesus preaching the gospel to who? The poor. Was Matthew, 6 written to, uh, was Matthew 6 written to Americans? Was Matthew 6 written to rich people? It, it wasn't, was it? Did, did you know that? Right? Keep, keep reading here. Jesus is trying to say, look, God cares about you. He's your Father. He wants to provide for you. Just like He feeds the birds and just like He clothes the fly. He wants to take care of you. And then in verse 32, now after all these things the Gentiles seek. After all these things, the Gentiles seek. What does that, what does that mean? W- spending their time worrying, trying to provide it their own strength and their own wisdom, right? What's one of the evidences that you're trying to do it in your own strength? Worry. What's another one? Debt. <laughs> this is a good sign that you're the one leading the show, right? Living in lack instead of abundance. And Jesus is trying to say, Man, all the Gentiles, they seek after this stuff. They, they, they are deceived by wealth. They think money will solve the problem. And, and, and so often, man, it doesn't matter if you're, if, if, you're, if you're rich, Jesus is saying, man, don't trust in your money. But if you're poor, same thing, don't trust in your money. Don't worry. Don't think that money's your answer. This is the kind of thing that Jesus is trying to get at all, uh, here and throughout the, throughout the Bible. But he goes on, he says, man, the Gentiles seek after this, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. He knows that you need this. He cares about you. And then he goes on, but seek First, the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. All these things shall be added unto you. Now, what's the, there, there's, a, there's a big deal thing going on here where He says, man, these Gentiles are seeking after this. They're seeking after this stuff. and You need to seek the kingdom. This is the major lifestyle adjustment that needs to happen. We're going to talk more about that. Because the reality is, if God is my provider and He is faithful, And if God wants to move us out of lack and into abundance, then we have to begin to make adjustments in our life to align ourselves with what God wants to do. Amen? So we need to talk about these adjustments. Jesus summarized it by saying, Seek first the kingdom. But notice that He says, If you seek first the kingdom, if you'll lose your life for Jesus and the gospel, and you'll give yourself fully to following Jesus as your Lord, give your money, Away to other people. And not just try to hoard it. And not just try to live in the, the deceitfulness of wealth and the love of money. If you do this, he says, your father's going to take care of all your needs. Now who is he talking to? Is he talking to people who are rich? If you knew anything... Whoa, here we go. That was just to you know, get you to wake up. If you knew anything about this culture, you would know that these people, most of the people he's talking to, don't know where they're going to get their food or their clothing from. Many of these people are living in a tremendous amount of debt. See, because in their, in their government system, right, the government would set a certain tax amount, and then they would hire people to collect those taxes, and other people would hire the people to collect taxes, and it was like a pyramid scheme. So till you get down to the bottom, living in Palestine, which is where Jesus is ministering, do so these people have a huge weight of de- uh, uh, taxation on them? This is why they hated tax collectors. And these tax collectors are usually exhorting them, extorting them. And basically, you're talking like 30% plus taxes on these poor people, right? And so much that they could not pay it so that they were often borrowing or selling themselves into slavery and even even then they couldn't pay it so then they're selling their daughters into slavery or into prostitution. when, When you study the culture and what was going on in the day that Jesus is saying this, they were under a huge weight of taxation, a huge weight of debt. And, you know, we're not necessarily living in... Uh, uh, it's not that severe yet. I mean, praise God for a good government that takes most of the money, I guess, and puts it back into the infrastructure of our nation. I mean, we could praise God for some good stuff there, but we get taxed a lot on stuff, right? And we don't even have to focus there. I'm not even trying to, like, woe is us. But the reality is, is like I said last week, that the rich in America are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer. The middle class is shrinking that the distribution of wealth, and I don't mean that like in a communist sense, I mean the, the flow of wealth, it, it, it's, it's not happening. It's not happening. And so literally they've watched it over the last 20 plus years that Americans are working more hours for less pay. And the standard of living is increasing and the amount of money people are making is not. And we can tell Americans all we want. You need to cinch your belt and stop spending over your, over your dollar. You know, you need to stop going in debt. And you know what? That's true. That's an adjustment we need to make. We need to learn not to live in debt. We need to learn to trust the Lord to be our provider. And we'll talk more about that. But I don't think that's just the answer to our economy. That's not going to cause our economy to flourish, and that's not going to cause us to flourish. I believe the Lord would say, stop trusting in those things. Stop looking to those other people, those other sources, and look to me. But I want you to understand that Jesus did not say these verses in the context of people who had it all. They were probably struggling more than most Americans. But I know a lot of Americans who are struggling whether because of health issues or because of whatever, because of the economy, because they've lost their job, that there is a lot of weight on a lot of Americans. And just because, yeah, hey, we're a rich nation, doesn't mean everyone's not struggling, right? And the reality is, is even if you're like, you know, yay, I'm a rich American, but I don't have a job, like that stinks, right? And the Lord is, Jesus is speaking to people who are really struggling here. And he's speaking in a context. And here's what I believe the Lord is saying. He's saying, stop looking at the government. Stop looking at the world system. Stop looking at the economy. Stop looking at the environment you're living in. What if you are living in famine? What if we are in a recession? What if it does get worse? What if, you know, what if the dollar fails? What if, what if, what if, what if, if?" right? People live in so much fear and so much worry. And, 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 and what if you, you don't have, like right now, let's say you don't have a job? What if? What if your boss isn't acknowledging the work you're doing? What if you're not getting the promotion you think you deserve? What if? What if? What if? Jesus is saying, stop worrying. Stop focusing on that. Stop seeking those things. Why? Because what he is saying here in this context is what he's been trying to say through the whole Bible. No matter what environment or context you're in, No matter who's around you, I am your provider. Amen? This is what the Lord is trying to convince us. That I am your provider. That I can do anything I want. Anything I want. I can do it any time, any place, any way. Nothing can hinder God from providing for you any way He wants. Right? Didn't He do that in, in the Old Testament? Did He cause water to come out of a rock? Was it like a little trickling stream? No, it was a full-on river that provided water for some two million people, right? Did did did, did he did he uh, uh, did the Israelites die of hunger in the wilderness? No, he rained bread from heaven. How many days did he do that? Forty years. He caused bread to rain every single day except for the Sabbath. <laughs> you know, two times on on Friday and then one. You know, nothing on Saturday. But he caused bread for forty years, bread from heaven. Heaven. Can God make money grow on trees? Can He make water come out of a rock? Can He make bread come down from it? He can do whatever He wants, right? But they're in a wilderness. But there's no water in a the wilderness. There's no food in a wilderness. Oh, but what about you know? How many American? How many people do I talk to? God's people walk around saying, "But you don't understand. We're in a recession." And so many of us bow to that, don't we? We limit God and we limit ourselves. Well, you just said. There's just a lot of jobs, and, and, and I mean, not a lot of jobs, and a lot of people looking for the jobs. I don't, this, that's how we talk, right? Got to be realistic, right? Well, hey, I mean, come on, Dave, we're in a recession, right? Hey, but, can, you know, what about this? Well, you don't know my boss. But, you know, I don't have this, I don't have that, I don't have the skills, I don't have the education, I don't have this, I don't have that, I don't have... Right? And we talk all about our lack. We talk about what we don't have. We talk about all these things, don't we? And what does that prove? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Look at what Jesus says in verse 31. Therefore, do not worry saying. Do you see that? How do you know if you're worrying? How do you know what's going on inside your heart? How do you know who are you trusting? You know how you know that? What's coming out of your mouth. Do not worry saying. Do you notice what they say? What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? How many of us do that? Man, how are we going to pay this bill? Man, where's that money going to come from? Man, I don't even know how this is going to work out. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we saying? What you're saying is, I am my provider, or my boss is my provider, or my job is my provider, or this economy is my provider, but you're not saying God is your provider. Do you see that? Because you're worried. Whatever's coming out of your mouth, that's telling you who you're trusting. in, Right? And this is the way we talk. Look at Psalm 78. Look at Psalm 78 here. Psalm 78, uh, the people of Israel, it's talking about people of Israel in, in the wilderness. And it says this, verse 12, Marvelous things He did in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt in the field of Zoan. He divided the sea and caused them to pass through, and He made the water stand up like a heap. In the daytime also He led them with a cloud and all the night with the light of fire. He split the rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink in abundance like the depths. He also brought streams out of the rock and caused rivers to run down, our waters to run down like rivers, right? Millions of people were satisfied with water in a desert, with water coming out of a rock. That's an absolute miracle. But listen, but they sinned even more against Him, verse 17, by rebelling against the Most High in the wilderness. And they tested God in their heart by asking for the food of their fancy. Yet they spoke against God. They said, Can God prepare a table in the wilderness? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? They tested God in their heart by saying what? Oh, come on. Can God prepare it? feed all these people in the wilderness? Millions of people? And you're gonna put what are you gonna spread out a table? What are we gonna have? A feast here? Right? They're mocking God, are they not? They're being facetious. How often do we do this with the Lord, right? Oh, right. Like, oh, right. Like, God's going to get me a job in this economy. Do you see? Oh, like, right. Like, things are going to be different for me. Oh, yeah, like, right. Like, oh, yeah. Like, okay. Yeah, really. Like, how's that bill going to be paid? Really? Come on. And What are we saying? We don't trust Him, do we? We're saying, listen, that our circumstance is more powerful or more, 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 uh, uh, influential, than our God. And what we're doing is we're putting qualifiers on what God can and cannot do. I mean, we can all walk around religious and be like, of course God can do whatever He wants to do, right? I mean, come on, He's God. He can just do whatever He wants to do. But when the pinch comes, when the squeeze comes, what comes out of your mouth? Probably not that. Why? Because we have a religious concept that God can do anything, but we don't believe that He wants to do it for us that He is my God, that He has provided for me, that He has made promises to me, right? And that what He has done in the past, He will do for me in my circumstance, right? Instead, we're like, oh, God can do whatever He wants. Oh, oh, but can He really spread a table in the wilderness? See what what they're doing? And that's what's coming out of their mouth. They're putting qualifiers. Look at this verse over here. We're going to skip a bunch of verses for the sake of time, but look at this in verse 41 in my New King James translation says this, Yes, again and again they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Well, isn't that interesting? Limited God. Did God want to bless them even more? Did He want to do some things in their life? And they shut Him down, didn't they? Now, He still provided their every need. Their shoes never wore out. That's, that, that's a miracle right there. Food from heaven every day. Water from rock. It happened more than once. God provided their every single need. And yet on the inside, they were never happy. They were never content. They were never thankful. They grumbled. They complained. And it turned God off. It's not attractive, right? It's not attractive. Like if my kids, if my kids are hungry, and they come to me and say, give me some food. Am I going to do it for them right then? No. I know they're not dying at the moment. And I go, "Mate." Go to your room until you can ask me the right way, right? Now I say, hey, whoa, 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 you know, fun. You're not being fun, right? You're not being nice to say until you can say it nicely. Until you can be fun, you need to go somewhere else, right? But what if they came and said, Father? <laughs> I just mentioned. You're so good. And you've always provided for us. We thank you so much. Would you please give us some food? Of course, I'm going to hook you up. <laughs> you know, I'm just messing. But that is how we need to talk to the Lord. We're, these are some of the most major adjustments that need to be made in our life. We must adjust how we're thinking about God. We must adjust how we're talking about God. We must change the way we talk about our circumstances. And we need to begin to align our thinking and our words and our faith with the reality that He is a good God, a good Father, and He has never let us down. And He will provide. But the thing is, is that again, we limit Him on how He'll provide. We put qualifiers on Him, don't we? Well, He's going to have to do it this way. He's going to have to do it this way or that way. Well, it's going to have to come through that uh, a government assistance. It's going to have to come through that job. It's going to have to come through this way. No, it doesn't. Since when is our God limited? Right? Since when does God need anyone to provide for His people? Oh, shoot. Uh, we don't have Avion trucks. We need to, here, all transport bottled water from the future back to the Israelites. You know what I'm saying? It's not like God was like, oh, Darn, I really called the people of Israel at the wrong time. I should have waited till we had pipes and water and, you know, the Hoover Dam or whatever. You know, no, I'm joking. That would have been electricity. I mean, we, like, it's not like God is limited in any way, right? God wasn't like, oh, no, I got them out in the wilderness and now they're all going to die. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? So that's what I'm saying. What if, so what if our economy gets worse? What if? Yeah, I'm not, there's no fear in my heart. hope there's none in yours. Don't worry. There's no fear. Why? Because we have a God who has made promises to provide for us. Right? And He can do it however He wants. Shoot! If He needs to rain down bread again, if He needs to cause water to come from a rock, if He needs to make your clothes multiply or, you know, sustain, He'll do it! He'll do whatever He wants. Now, I'm not trying to be, you know, weird or anything. And He can do it through any person. He can do it without a person. He can do it however He wants. Let me end with this story here from, uh, basically, Genesis 28. We're not going to be able to go through all the verses. Let me just tell you the story. But if you want to look at the Scriptures in Genesis 28, you can. This is what the Lord wants to convince us of in the next couple of weeks and months. And, of course, the Lord wants to talk to us about the adjustments that we need to make in our life in order to align with Him. But I want... I, I want you to understand that the Lord is able in the midst of, of drought, famine, wilderness, lack, debt, poverty, nothing, recession, whatever. He is able to take that and create abundance. Because what, what, what do we do? We look at our lack and we say, how is God supposed to all this? We have a huge need with this little bit of, right?" How is God... Where's the food going to come from? Where's the drink going to come from? Is God going to spread a table in the wilderness? We say this all the time, don't we? Come on, you don't understand how big the need is and how little I have. You don't understand how big my debt is. I don't have the ability to pay this off. You don't realize how big this is, how big my need is. Right? You don't realize, if this doesn't happen, then I'm going to have all these bills and I don't know how to pay them. Yeah, of course, that's reality, right? But is God able with your little to provide for the big? Didn't Jesus take small pieces of bread, right? Five loaves of bread and feed how many men? Five thousand men plus women and children. And remember, they were all satisfied and had leftovers, right? Is God able to take the little and, and produce abundance? This is what the Lord wants to convince us. It's not just that yes God is my provider. He wants to break our wage mentality, our debt, I've got to depend on MasterCard. He wants to break our dependence on the world system, the economy, and whatever. because even if there is, even if our economy increases, He doesn't want us trusting in this world, right? He wants us to be trusting in Him as our provider. And if things were to get worse, He wants us trusting in Him as our provider. Amen? This is what the Lord is trying to speak to us, that he can take a little and make a lot. And he can take even in the midst of nothing around us, living in a wilderness, and he can cause there to be abundance. So I was meditating, and, and I'll probably tell you a bunch of stories throughout these next couple of weeks, but I was meditating on the story of Jacob. And this is what fascinates me about Jacob. I'm going to have to go real quick here, but I think most of you know about Jacob. So Jacob is Abraham's grandson, right? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. God made a promise to Abraham, I'm going to bless you and make you a blessing, right? Isaac received the same promise, Jacob received the same promise. And you'll see that Jacob, you guys remember, Jacob was basically kind of a deceiver. He was trying to live, he was trying to get, his, get become first, become rich, become blessed his own way, okay? So this is not like the guy is the greatest example in the Bible, okay? But yet he, he's, he's, he's uh, actually fleeing from his home. And he's traveling by himself. I'm sure he was afraid, because if you're by yourself in the ancient world, you're probably going to get killed or eaten. And uh, so he's traveling by himself. He sleeps on a rock, which probably means he had nothing. Okay? God shows up, has this Bethel experience. God shows up and says to him, I will be with you. Right? In Genesis 28, in, 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 uh, in verse 15, Behold, I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go, and you, and I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken. He basically promises Jacob, I'm going to protect you. Basically, you're not going to get killed or eaten. And I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to be with you, and I'm going to provide for you, and I'm going to bring you back to this land, and you're going to get this land as your inheritance. And what is God promising? More than anything else, what is God promising? Is He promising that you won't have hard times? Is He promising that you won't run into some some screwy people? Is He promising those things? No, He says, I'm going to be with you. No matter what you go through, I am with you. Why? Because His presence is the provision for His promise, right? What do we need more than anything else? We need His presence. We need the favor of God. When God says, "I will be with you," He guarantees His favor and His resources to you. If you will walk with him, He is saying, "I will be with you." That means that your fa- His favor and His resources are upon you, that whatever the Lord needs to do in you, d- d- doesn't matter if there's the famine or the recession or whatever, He's going to be with you. So what happens? Jacob ends up going and meeting a guy named Laban, right? He falls in love with Rachel. And he worked seven years to get Rachel to be his wife. Okay, That sounds weird to us, but what was he doing? He had to pay a bride price. The bride price actually was for Rachel's sake. It's actually kind of like a a backing for her if something went wrong, which Laban actually later spent himself because he was a messed up dude. Okay, Laban does a lot of things in the story that you can tell he's not a cool guy. So Jacob has to work for what? To get his bride. Do you know what that is? That's called debt. Sorry, he shows up in Laban's house with nothing, zero. He wants a wife and he has works for it for seven years and works for her for the marriage for seven years. What happened? Laban switches the brides on the wedding night, right? And so Jacob marries Leah, uh, Leah, or Leah without even realizing it. The next day he's like, what up, dude? You switched the girls on me. You know, poor story for Leah and all that. So he gets Rachel the next, the next week So now he has two wives, but he has to work seven years to pay the bride price now for Rachel because he worked the first seven years for Leah. Fourteen years. Fourteen years. Lack. Fourteen years. Debt. Paying off his debt. Working hard for this. And why? Why is it that he had to work that long? Because somebody messed him up, didn't he? Somebody was cheating him. Finally, after that time, he works 14 years, and he says in uh, chapter 30, he says, verse uh, 30, 30-30, he says, for what you had before I came was little. Jacob talks to Laban and says, before I came, you had a little. Now it has increased to a great amount. The Lord has blessed you since my coming. And now, when shall I provide for my own? He basically tells Laban, you and I both know that I came and you got blessed because of me. That God's favor's on me. I have worked hard. I've been integrous. I've been diligent. And I have, I have worked for you. And I have worked this debt off. And these wives are now mine. And, and, and you have been blessed because of me. Basically, Laban got rich off of Jacob. Right? And what is Jacob saying? What am I going to provide for my own? Now, is he saying that, uh, 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 like, I don't have any food or clothing? No, it's not what he's saying, is he? He's saying, when am I going to be able to build up an inheritance for my kids? When am I going to get my own flocks? When am I going to get, step into abundance? That's what he's talking about. He's not talking about like food and clothing. He's been living as a wage earner the whole time. Man, yeah, I take care of your sheep, you get rich, and I get some wages, and I get to feed my kids, and I've got to, and I've paid off my debt little by little, little by little. Right? This is the lot that Jacob has been in for some time now. Now after 14 years, Jacob says to him, you're blessed because of me. When am I going to build my own? He says, I want to leave now. So Jacob's thinking about leaving. Well, Laban says, no, 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 don't no, 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 no. go because I know, I know I'm blessed because of you. You name your wages. Just tell me what you want. And Jacob says to him so, in verse 33, so my righteousness will answer for me in time to come when the subject of my wages comes before you. Everyone that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and brown among the lambs will be considered stolen if it is with me. Jacob basically asks for... The speckled and spotted lambs, which are basically the smallest portion of the flock. Basically, probably 10% would produce speckled and spotted. So he's asking for a very small amount of uh, when a baby is born, if it's speckled or spotted, I'll get that one. Right? He's asking for a very small amount. And he says, that's how you're going to know if if I'm righteous or not, because I'm not going to steal sheep from you. It's not like I'm stealing a white one. You know? No, no, no. Just the ones that are speckled and spotted. Those are going to be mine. So Laban's like, okay, cool. And Laban actually twists the deal by actually taking all the speckled and spotted and putting them away from Jacob. So he actually is like, okay, those will be your wages. And he moves them away from Jacob. Just even more. So you've got Jacob basically having all this opposition against him. He's working for an ungodly man who keeps trying to cheat him. Guess what happens? Over six years... Laban changes his wages ten times. Every time Jacob started getting blessed, all, all of a sudden these speckled and spotted ones were, ch- were, were, were multiplying, which means that Jacob was getting that wool and that, uh, those animals and that milk, right? Every time he was increasing, Laban was like, oh, well, Jacob's starting to increase, so I'll just change the wages, because then I'll get it. And every time he changed it, ten times he changed it, God would still bless Jacob in this other way, right? This is basically like you saying to your employer, oh, no, just give me that stock that's not making any money. Okay, here you go. And then all of a sudden it starts doubling, tripling, quadrupling. And they're like, uh, uh, here, we'll take that one. We give you that other one. And then all of a sudden that starts doubling and tripling and quadrupling. That's what's really going on here. All of a sudden there's this increase and in this multiplication of these herds. Well, what happens? Basically, in verse uh, 42 of chapter 30, But when the flocks were feeble, he did not put them in, so the feebler uh, were Laban's and the stronger Jacob's. Verse 43, Thus the man, referring to Jacob, became exceedingly prosperous, And had large flocks, female and male servants, and camels and donkeys. Man, to have camels and servants, rich. Like rich in that world. What's going on here? This this is it. Bottom line. End with this. Was God hindered from blessing Jacob because of Laban? No. Ten times the man changed his wages. For years he tried to basically cheat Jacob. And what ended up happening? Laban lost. Because the Bible says, those who bless you, I will bless. And those who curse you, I will curse. See, many of us are grumbling and complaining about the circumstances we're in or the people that we're working for or whatever because they're not doing da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And the Lord is saying to us, stop putting your trust in man. And stop putting your trust in the system of this world. And trust me, I am your provider. And I can and will bring you out of lack into abundance, even in the midst of struggle, even in the midst of wilderness, famine, recession, even if somebody is trying to cheat you or oppress you. What did did we sing today? And what did God say to Joshua? No man will be able to stand against you. Right? If God is for me, who can be against me? It's true, isn't it? That is reality. And we need to begin to stand in that and say, Lord, you said you'd be with me. And the reason why Jacob was blessed, we'll talk more about this, is because he was able to hear the Lord, work with integrity and diligence in the midst of opposition, and the Lord was able to speak to him and lead him and bring him into blessing. didn't happen overnight, did it? But it happened, right? Let's stand up.